From the studios of One Jack's Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, with your hosts, Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Ingle, and Praise Leader Chris Wing. All right, well, welcome once again to another episode of The Revealing. Uh, here we are, we're getting ready to uh, celebrate uh, the Resurrection Sunday or, or uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, and so uh, we're going to take some time here on this particular episode and just kind of talk about uh, what the resurrection means, what's the importance of it, uh, maybe some, uh, some, um, some evidences we may have of the reliability uh, of, uh, of the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, obviously, uh, when we're talking about this particular uh, uh, subject, we're talking about uh, you know, something that uh, the Christianity rises and falls on the resurrection. So this is a, an important subject, so we want to make sure we do uh, do it some just. Uh, as always, I'm here with uh, Pastor Robert Ingle. How you doing? I am doing well. Thank you, Frank. And I'm here with uh, our praise leader, Chris Wing. Chris? Hello, hello. All right, so... Uh, before we before we move forward, we just want to say uh, for all of our listeners, uh, obviously with this whole uh, C nineteen thing going on in our nation and everything that's going on there, uh, we want you to know that uh, we are we're, we're certainly praying uh, for you and for your family and for all of our church families. And uh, this is obviously a a, a pretty uh, interesting time, tough time. Uh, certainly, uh, people have lost their lives over this, uh, so. Uh, there's much to be uh, be praying about. Uh, we certainly want God to watch over us, uh, but we do know that uh, in these last days, uh, you know, as each of these things, uh, uh, these uh, disasters that take place in our world, uh, it just makes us uh, have to sit back and just remember, uh, you know, God's on the throne. He's still there, and uh, there's still a plan, and all things are working towards the culmination of his plan. Uh, and... Uh, you know, maybe now's a good time to, if you haven't really thought about uh, your relationship with God, your relationship with Christ, maybe it's a good time to think about that now. Uh, certainly, we would love to talk with you if you have any questions or you just uh, want to reach out. Uh, you can find us at onebaptistchurchjacks.world. Uh, uh, you can look at our website uh, and you certainly can uh, email us and do all kinds of stuff from that website there. Uh, and uh, we would love to answer your questions or, or if you just want to talk. Uh, that'd be a good place to connect with us and uh, give us the opportunity to, to to chat with you. All right, so we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, I think uh, maybe what we could first do, uh, Chris, if you don't mind, uh, maybe read us some uh, verses in the Bible uh, so that we can uh, you know begin there and then uh, we can kind of see where the conversation goes from there. Okay, well, uh, the first point I think I want to make when it comes to the resurrection is that it is the quintessential foundational point of our entire faith. Um, you know, we often talk about preaching the gospel, uh, which we're, we're to do, and uh, that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you have to understand that without that resurrection, it means nothing. So the resurrection of Jesus is the absolute foundational point by which everything that we believe, everything that we uh, are as Christians is, is based on that. If he didn't raise from the dead, then nothing else matters. He's just a dead guy like every other dead guy in history. And so the gospel has no power without that resurrection. 
And so the first main point that I want us to know is that that is the main thing that holds the whole thing together. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'll, I'll read verses uh, 12 through 22, it looks like here. Um, he says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And so Paul confirms for us the importance then of Jesus' resurrection and what it would be, what it would mean if he had not risen from the dead. I, if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, we are hopeless. We're dead in our sins, and we have no nothing to believe in it at all. And and we're we're false witnesses. We we just there's no point to any of it. And so all of eternity is at stake if this resurrection isn't true. But he did raise from the dead, and praise the Lord for that. Yeah, so, you know, you, you read in Matthew 28 when it talks about how those uh, uh, disciples, uh, Mary uh, Magdalene and, and, and uh, some others, uh, went to the tomb. Uh, and in verse tw- uh, chapter 28, verse 6, it's, uh, in Matthew, it says, He is not here, for he is risen. Uh, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And, you know, uh, Chris, you're absolutely right. When it, when it comes to the resurrection, when it comes to Christianity, this is the linchpin uh, of, of our faith. Uh, certainly, if, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, everything else falls apart. So, you know, if I was on the other side of this and, and you know, I didn't believe Jesus was a real person or if I didn't believe Christianity was a real faith or anything to that matter, you know, the place where I think you need to go is, hey, simply prove uh, that uh, Jesus didn't rise from the dead and you will have disproved the whole thing. Right. Um, what's interesting is uh, here we are 2000 years later and uh, no one's ever been able to prove it. That, that, that uh, tomb is still empty and still nobody knows uh, if, you know, if you, if you don't have faith uh, in Christ, you, you know, the people on the other side of the fence, they, they still don't know where that body went. Um, we certainly know where it is, uh, but uh, Robert, what do you what, what do you what do you say? Well, I definitely agree um, completely with with um, what Chris is saying, and, and Pastor Frank, <clears throat> what you're saying as well. And I, it cannot be overstated that uh, the resurrection is that crucial, that critical, um, or else, as Paul said, uh, as Chris just read, um, we are to be. Uh, a pitied essentially um, uh, over all men. Um, it's only through uh, the resurrection of Christ uh, that we have um, a, a resurrection, that we have uh, victory over sin. Um, through the gospel, as outlined in First Corinthians 15, uh, that is one third of the gospel, if you will, um, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And so um, I, I know for most of this episode, we're going to be talking about how uh, Christ 
uh, resurrected and the importance of that and maybe the historicity of that and maybe some, some possibly some proofs of that and all those, um, man, they have their place. And, and we, when we look at those um, logically, uh, when we look at those um, fairly, uh, the evidence is just insurmountable. Um, at the same time, um, I do believe that the goal of this episode is not just to look at those perspectives of the resurrection, but also to look at the, the, the practicality of it and how that uh, transfers um, to us as born-again believers, um, because that's what the gospel does. That's the, the power of God. The gospel, it transforms us from the inside out, um, as Romans chapter 1 uh, tells us, uh, that it's the, the power of God, that's the gospel. And so if we um, just can take a couple minutes and, and just look at some of these scriptures, where, where we see that um, it is only through that, that that resurrection of Christ that that we have um, our own resurrection through Christ. Um, he said in, in John chapter eleven verse twenty five, uh, "I am the resurrection and the life." Uh, one of his seven "I am" statements in the book of John. Um, but then he goes on and he says, "He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live." So not only is Jesus Christ the resurrection, not only is Jesus Christ the life, John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life, amen and amen, but he tells us that those that believe in him, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So there is a transference, um, if you will, of that resurrection. We, that is what salvation is, right? That is what it means to be born again, as he tells us in John chapter 3. Uh, he says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So again, uh, there's um, a, a very personal component uh, when it comes to the resurrection of Christ. For those of us that are in Christ, uh, we are not in Christ without that res without that death, burial, and resurrection, and so it's just extremely critical. I think that we understand uh, the the practicality of that, and, and that is not to just make the resurrection of Christ uh, about us. Um, no, and if it wasn't for that, uh, then then we wouldn't have a gospel because that resurrection was prophesied. It had to be according to Scripture, and the Lord alone gets that glory. Yet, yet let's not also just look at the resurrection as merely historical or merely factual or, or um, you know, it's just something in, in Scripture in and of itself. But the Word of God is quick and powerful, right? It is sharper than any two-edged sword, and, and it's to transform us. And when we let the gospel live through us as we die to self, Galatians 2.20, we can walk in that resurrected life. Well, yeah, and, and you know, Robert, I think you make a, a really good point there. Um, and if you're listening, uh, man, uh, really, really grasp the reality of the statement that, you know, Christ's death and subsequent resurrection, uh, that resurrection wasn't just something that, quote unquote, took, took place in the past. Uh, the, it did in the aspect of Jesus uh, resurrecting. But we, uh, as uh, uh, believers, when we come to faith in Christ, you know, the, the reality is 
we have to die on that cross with him. We have to be buried and we have to be um, resurrected ourselves. And, you know, that, that's such an important aspect of the Christian faith. Um, you know, you can't, have a, 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 you can't have a resurrection without a death. And we need to really understand what entails all of that and, and uh, uh, understand that, uh, you know, this life isn't just about coming to Jesus. There, there's so much more to it when it comes to the Christian faith. Chris? Yeah, amen. You know, as you were talking there, uh, Pastor Robert, it made me think of, you know, you're, you're bringing it all into a, a, the realm of practicality. And when it, as it pertains to us as the believers, when we are born again, it's just that we are, ra- you know, we're raised spiritually to a newness of life uh, while we're here on this planet, and not, and then one day we will be glorified uh, it with a new body and and be resurrected unto eternity as well. But it made me think of Second Corinthians five seventeen, where it says, "Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new." And that's the way it's supposed to be for us when we die to self, bury the old man, or raise the newness of life. We are to walk that spiritual life in sanctification via the Holy Ghost that is now dwelling us and be the Christians that he's called us to be to do the work he's left us here to do. And we can't do any of that lest we should spiritually die to self first. So the whole thing about this resurrection isn't just that, yes, Jesus himself died physically, he was buried. It spiritually uh, pertains to us as well as believers. And I think that kind of just gets, I don't know if it gets, I know people know that, but maybe there's just... They don't think about it in those terms often enough and, and, and what the resurrection really means. It is a newness of life. You are born again spiritually. And Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians 15, writes about the uh, the future resurrection of the believers when we get glorified bodies. And in uh, verse 54 through 57, he says, So when this corruptible, that is our mortal bodies, shall have put on incorruption, uh, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Be, but thanks be to God, which give us, us us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're spiritually born again and resurrected unto newness of life and become those new creatures. And then one day when we actually physically die, we will be resurrected unto newness of life for eternity and given glorified bodies. So it's a spiritual thing, and it, it's going to have a future glorification for us as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and... Uh, it's all there for us uh, in Romans chapter six. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's there where, where Paul lays out uh, this uh, reality, uh, this um, duality, so to speak, uh, of the old man being crucified and, and being dead to sin, and, and also being alive uh, to God. In Romans chapter six and verse four, he says, "Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death." that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Verse 5 says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And he goes on, and down there in verse um, 11, he says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive there's a resurrection alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Yeah. So, you know, the point that we're, we're really trying to drive home with this whole idea of the resurrection is to understand the fact doctrinally that yes, of course, Jesus rose from the dead. And as 
critically important it is to make sure that we understand that. It is also just as important uh, to understand that Christians that come to Christ in, in saving fashion, when you look at that uh, scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, which lays out the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, it says that uh, he, he, he died, uh, he was buried, and he resurrected uh, according to uh, scriptures. And, and by the way, this is the true gospel. And, and, and it's not just something, and we've talked about this before, it's not just something you believe in. Uh, you have to receive it, which means, um, you know, just uh, uh, making a mental ascent to the fact that Jesus died on the cross was for your sins and that he was buried and he resurrected. Uh, just making a mental, uh, you know, just making a, a, a confession of that, that is not saving grace. Uh, the saving grace comes in with both believing that and then receiving it, um, as Romans 6 just flat out told us. Uh, and, and, and as you mentioned, Robert, uh, Galatians 2.20 uh, would be a good place to go as well, where it talks about how we need to be crucified with Christ. Uh, we need to be buried, and then we need to have that resurrection. And that resurrection that takes place in us, uh, what, 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 what takes place is this beautiful transformation process that God uh, takes us through as he takes us from being these dead vessels uh, and, and uh, putting his spirit in us so that we he can take these dead vessels, make them living vessels that could be meat for his use. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, that's First Thessalonians chapter 4, if I remember correctly, talks about uh, how, how that needs to take place. And, and you know, God, is, he isn't going to use us in our current state, our current state is is vanity. Our current state is is uh, is altogether worthless. Uh, and and yes, we could say, well, well, yeah, but I got saved. Well, okay, if you got saved, then you should be all about giving God His glory, and you should be all about uh, putting yourself to death because yourself is is really. I hate to say it this way, man, but you know, you look at. Isaiah in some other places in the Bible, but Isaiah specifically says, you know, all of our righteousness is filthy rags. We're, 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 from, from, from God's perspective, now hear what I'm saying. Don't miss what I'm saying. From God's perspective, we are worthless to him before salvation. Not that we are worthless to him, but we are worthless to do his work. We're not in any place to be able to accomplish anything that he wants to accomplish in and through us from an unsaved position. The, the only way we can get to the place where we become w- worthy to him is when we make him worthy. <laughs> and, and we do that by, by, by cleansing ourselves, by, uh, 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 you know, um, taking this dead vessel and making it a living vessel for him so that he can, he can uh, do what he needs to do. That, that, that's, that, that, that's the whole sanctification process that, you know, I really wonder, I really wonder if people really truly understand uh, what, what really is supposed to take place uh, in, 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 in the resurrection of, of, of ourselves. Uh, and, and of course that's in a spiritual sense, um, you know, we've just have gotten to the place where we believe Christianity is about a place. And the reality is it's not, it's not about 
getting your ticket punched and that way you can be with Jesus in heaven when you die. No. How about how about this? How about we die to self now and let Jesus live in us now and let heaven be in us now uh, so that we can get as many people into his kingdom as possible while we still have the chance. And that's really what the resurrection is all about. And, and, and there's a reason why, uh, you know, there's such emphasis in the Bible on, on what Christ gave to us. And, and man, sometimes we just have a way of making things all about ourselves, don't we? Mm. We really do. Yeah. You think about a resurrection in terms of, uh, and then God does this so often, Jesus does this so often, he uses the, the, the analogy of a harvest. And, you know, we're talking about there has to be a death before there can be a resurrection. So it's you take a seed and you put it in the ground, and what does it have to do? It has to die in order to bring forth new life, in order to grow. And so the key behind a resurrection is, you know, we're, we're using these, uh, these dropping these words as we read the verses, a uh, new man, a uh, new creature, a uh, newness of life, um, the after the inward man, um, born again, all these things. Think about it in those terms as, as a harvest where you plant that seed. It has to actually die in the ground and then grow forth a new life. And then what happens? It produces fruit, and that's the outcome of a changed, uh, born-again life, a new creature, a new man, the inward man, and this new conversation, and all these things that, that the Bible tells us uh, that, a re- that comes with a resurrection. And so, spiritually speaking, of course, and so once once we are actually changed, it, it requires a change. You know, we, we have to have that circumcision spiritually of the heart. You know, God always uses these physical things to show us the spiritual truths behind them, and so he uses the harvest in the same way. So when we, the seed is planted, the word of God in us, it, it, it's the engrafted word that's able to save our souls. And so we die, the old man dies, so that the new man can be born again and grow up and then do what? Produce fruit, do the work of the Lord, win, build, and send, you know, uh, everything that we're talking about here. And so I think that we should think about the resurrection in terms of there has to be, a, a, the key word is a change, uh, something new. So, you know, you put off the old and you, pr- and you put on the new. That God always talks about taking something off, putting something off so that you can put on something new. You put off the old man, you put on the new man. You put on Christ and you live for him. And so that's what comes with the spiritual resurrection. It's, it's a change. It's a transformation. You know, we talk about the word, we drop the word repentance. Repentance means a change of mind. You, something has to change. Something has to change in that we have to die so that we can be born again. It's the, the paradox, if you will, of Scripture. You know, Galatians 2.20 is key of that. I am crucified with Christ, and nevertheless I live. What do you mean? If I'm crucified, how do I live? Spiritually. And so that, I think, is, uh, is maybe overlooked a lot when, when we're ta- discussing this thing of the resurrection. There has to be a death in order to be uh, alive in a new creature in Christ. There has to be a change. What do you guys think? Yeah. And Chris, I think the, the difference there is um, not trying to live ourselves, but allowing Christ to live through us. You asked a very good question that I think a lot of people, though they realize it not, wrestle with. And oftentimes the flesh ends up winning. And that question is, how do I let Christ live through me and still live myself? Or how do I follow Galatians 2.20 and die to self, but also how can I live? And the issue is not how do I still live? The issue is how do I lay down my life for Christ and then let him live through me, right? And, and I think that is only possible through the resurrection of Christ. You know, we're talking about this. Um, practical application and what that means for us in the 21st century as sons of God. Uh, it's not for us to 
and, I, and I'm just kind of echoing the sentiment that you said, not disagreeing at all. It's not for us to um, try to uh, have our, like you said, Pastor Frank, you know, kind of live our own lives and we got our ticket punched and, you know, our, our fire insurance is in place. And so we're okay to kind of just go about life as we were. Uh, that's, that's a false conversion. Right. Um, that's making someone twice the son of hell. And, and so um, we ought to, when we look at scripture, I, I love the responses of, of those that encountered the resurrected Christ, because is that not what we do at the point of salvation? We, though we don't encounter him uh, visibly, face to face, or audibly, we encounter him no less powerfully uh, through his word and by the conviction uh, and moving of the spirit of God, right? So you look at uh, Thomas in uh, John chapter 20, mm-hmm. uh, verse 28, uh, when Thomas saw and felt physically the resurrected Lord, his answer was to him, my Lord and my God. Mm-hmm. And that ought to be daily. I'm not just talking about at the point of salvation, though that's extremely critical. Every day, that ought to be our verbal, our uh, practical, uh, our spiritual, uh, our, you know, every way uh, that we have and are able uh, to respond to him in that way, that ought to be it. Uh, that that is a confession of surrender, my Lord and my God, as he uh, witnessed and encountered the resurrected Christ. Uh, look at Saul, who became Paul in Acts chapter nine. Uh, just the, the glory of the resurrected Christ, and and that that encounter affected him. Uh, now it affected him physically, and it affected him spiritually. And should it not affect us in every way as well? Yeah, Look yeah. at John and, and the um, uh, Revelation chapter one, where uh, he again, when he was taken to the, to the day of the Lord, um, he was in the, the spirit and he witnessed Christ and he fell down before him as dead. Um, and I just love not just the verbal confessions, but but and the um, the reality of what happened, but the implication, or I should say, the picture of what that represents for us is yes, one day we will witness him and see him and stand in his presence uh, as the resurrected Lord of glory uh, face to face, and we will fall as dead at his feet, and we will cast crowns before him. Uh, But until that day comes, we, um, spiritually speaking, ought to lay down our flesh and our will and our desire and our mind and our agenda, our sin, our wants, all of that and surrender it before the resurrected Christ and cry out with Thomas, my Lord and my God, because none of that's possible without his resurrection. Amen. Yeah, amen. All right. Let's, um, let's, let's kind of switch gears here a little bit. Um, and what I want to do here with the remaining time we have is, uh, you know, I remember when I first, uh, prior to me getting saved, uh, you know, there was a point in time uh, where I didn't even believe Jesus was a real person. Uh, so certainly I didn't believe in the resurrection story. What I want to do right now uh, is maybe talk about uh, some evidences uh, that we have. Uh, if, we, if we're going to sit here and say that the, 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 the whole Christian faith lies on 
uh, that tomb still being empty, uh, then why don't we why don't why don't we see what kind of evidences we have uh, that that uh, that is true, um, and 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 see uh, where that takes us. Uh, you know, here's the first thing. Okay, so if you're listening right now, and 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 you don't believe Jesus was a real person. Uh, and like I said, uh, there was a point in time in my life where, where I believed that exact thing. Let me uh, just tell you and, and be rest assured, uh, Jesus was a real person. Uh, there is plenty of secular evidence and writings uh, to back up the, the, uh, the uh, reality of that. Um, you know, you'll, I think of right off the bat, uh, one of the Jewish historians named Josephus, um, listen, Josephus was not a Christian. Uh, he never was. Uh, we have no evidence anyway that he ever became a Christian. Uh, but uh, Josephus certainly wrote uh, of uh, Jesus's uh, life. Uh, he wrote of his uh, trials and he wrote of his crucifixion. Uh, and, and, and even uh, Josephus wrote of the, the empty tomb. Um, now, Joseph, Josephus isn't the only one we have. Uh, if you just took time and you... Uh, you know, even hopped on your uh, your internet uh, and started to, uh, to to do some research. You'll, you'll find there are plenty of uh, documents uh, that uh, were written from secular standpoints to prove uh, you know Jesus was a real person, Pilate was a real person, Paul was a real person. Uh, all of, all of these people uh, really uh, uh, you know their, their lives are real. So with that being said, with that being said, um, there's really not much more uh, that we can, we, that, that, that evidence that we would need to prove that he's real. Now, okay, fine. Jesus was a real person. Fine. Jesus really did go through all those trials. Fine. Jesus really did get crucified on a cross. Fine. All that happened, Pastor Frank. Great. But that doesn't prove that he resurrected from the dead. And so that's where we're going to kind of hone in now and, and, and just some things that I think are worth uh, uh, talking about, worth thinking about, worth really uh, uh, putting in, the, in your minds uh, to, to really help you because uh, it certainly helped me uh, in, you know, in my journey. Uh, so there's, there's, listen, by the way, the evidences are... There's, there's quite a few of them. And in the, the realm of, of one podcast, we could never look at all of them. Uh, so we're, we're just going to take a couple of them, uh, maybe three or four, and, and, and uh, uh, see if we can look, you know, see, what, see what they, what, where they bring us. So um, first, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was preached in the same city where Jesus had been buried shortly after. That is... Absolutely, 100% a fact. And, and what I really want you to think about is, is this. The Jews, obviously, uh, especially the, the Jewish leadership, the Pharisees uh, and, and uh, the Sadducees and, and, and the, the scribes, as well as the Roman Empire, uh, would, uh, you know, would want to have uh, nixed this in the butt as quickly as they possibly could. And the, the fact that in the very city that Jesus was crucified is in the very city where they were preaching 
that the tomb was empty, uh, you know, what you find in secular writings and what you find in uh, 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 many of, uh, uh, of what was going on at that time, no one refuted that the tomb was empty. There was no, no one, the, the, the Roman Empire didn't refute it. The Jews never refuted it. None of them ever refuted that that, that tomb was empty. You can't find one thing that will say uh, from a secular standpoint. And listen, obviously we have biblical evidence to the fact that the tomb was empty. We could go to the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and 1 Corinthians, and, and many other places. But what I'm trying to say is you don't even need to, quote-unquote, go to the Bible to get the evidence that uh, the tomb was empty. Uh, and, and, and I just think that's a really a fascinating thing to think about because if there was any issues, if there was, if there was, a, if this was a lie, if if this was uh, not true, uh, whatever, uh, man, listen, the Roman Empire, the, the Jewish authorities, they would have been the first ones to step up and said, "Hey, wait a minute, <laughs> no, that, that 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 tomb's not empty. Here's his body right here. Mm-hmm. We got it." Uh, so Chris, w- 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 just let's kind of hang in there for a, a couple minutes. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, yeah, th- you got to think about, like you said, nobody denied that the tomb was empty. They couldn't, I mean, cause it was. And so you had the Pharisees, you're talking about the Pharisees. They, they knew it was empty. So they had to come up with something else. They, they had to produce this lie that the disciples had come and taken the body of Jesus. And that's where we're going next. So g- thank you. You just jumped right into that one. Oh, okay. Is that okay? I don't know if you want to. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's what it's making me think about. Initially, because they had heard everything that Jesus was preaching and, you know, they'd been calling him a blasphemer and everything else, that once he was actually uh, died and they put him in the tomb, you know, when you read in Matthew 27, uh, verses 62 through 66, you know, they come up with this whole idea of what well, we have to make sure that his, first it was, we have to make sure that nobody comes to take his body. His disciples might come in the night and try to take his body. So they placed, you know, these Roman guards at the tomb uh, for three days to make sure that that wouldn't happen because that was the fear that they initially had was that they, somebody would come and steal his body. And so obviously when the tomb was empty, they had to come up with the lie that, well, yeah, that's what happened. Somebody came and stole his body and, and well, they and knew because they knew the tomb was empty. And, and the thing that I would throw in there is the fact that they came up with that lie is important. Sure. Because that means they had to come up with something. Yeah, because they knew it was empty. Because they knew it was empty. Right. (laughs) Robert, you got anything you want to throw in here? Yeah, I would also add that uh, the uh, disciples themselves uh, would have very quickly given up on this so-called lie that Jesus Christ hadn't really resurrected or they had stolen his body or swoon theory or whatever else it was when they were put to the death for their faith. If you are willing to go to the death for what it, for what you know to be true, if it's really not true, if it's a hoax, if it's a conspiracy or whatever, then you're not going to go to the death for that. Any and every one of those disciples would have just as soon as said, okay, guys, don't hang me. Don't crucify me. Don't stone me. We did take his body. Uh, he, he didn't really resurrect, spare my life. But you see that in not one of the accounts of the disciples' lives or death. So let me give you, um, and again, we could, we, could, uh, we could look at quite a few evidences, but there's this uh, uh, writing, a, compila- a compilation of early Jewish writings uh, called the Toledoth Jesu. Uh, and 
in in this is a, and again it's like a compilation of Jewish writings. It acknowledges that the tomb was empty, uh, and and of course uh, it, it begins to attempt to explain away uh, why that uh, tum, uh, that uh, um, uh, tomb was empty. Uh, furthermore, uh, we have a record of a second century debate between a Christian and a Jew, in which a reference is made to the fact that the Jews claim the body was stolen. Uh, so again. It's a pretty well established that the early Jews admitted the empty tomb. And so the question would be is, okay, why, why then? Why is this so important? Why, why do we keep you know, hitting the fact that, that, that the Jews admitted the empty tomb? Because, again, remember, the Jewish leaders were opposed to Christianity. Uh, they would have been considered hostile witnesses. In acknowledging the empty tomb, they were admitting the reality of a fact that was certainly not in their favor. Uh, so obviously, why would they admit that the tomb was empty unless the evidence was too strong to be denied? Uh, and and really, that's the reality of it. You know, there's no there's no arguing uh, that the, uh, the the tomb was uh, uh, was empty. Uh, now the question becomes: Is okay? Well, if the tomb was empty, then what happened? Well, uh, as uh, I th- think Chris alluded to here a, a few moments ago. You have to remember, they, they put Roman uh, uh, guards at that tomb. Uh, this was something that uh, had been uh, noted by the Jewish leaders uh, to um, uh, Pilate. And so, you know, that, that, that's why Pilate said, make, make, you know, make it sure. Uh, understanding that, you know, those, those Roman uh, soldiers, um, you know, by 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 losing the body, if you will, they they were held responsible for that. Uh, so this isn't just something uh, that was like, oh well, you know, they were just kind of watching over it. No big deal. No, this was a very big deal, uh, especially no, noting the 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 three days, um, and 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 so for those three days, those Roman uh, soldiers were very much uh, taking it very seriously. Uh, that uh, they made sure nothing happened at that tomb. And, you know, on top of the fact, you're talking about a big stone. <laughs> you know, it's not like one or two people could just come up and move the stone away. Uh, that, 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 that's a very heavy uh, stone that covered the tomb. It was um, not something that would have not made a lot of noise or anything like that. Uh, so, you know, it's not like the Jewish or the apostles came while the, 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 the soldiers were sleeping and, and, and rolled the stone away and took the body without anybody ever knowing it. It's just not a, it's just not good, honest, thought provoking. Well, it's just common sense, really. Yeah, it's just common sense. I mean, I mean these mean, Roman guards were. The real deal. I mean, if they had been caught uh, asleep on their job or, you know, failed at their post, it meant death for them. So they took it very seriously. So whether they were asleep or they're not asleep, you know, they would take watches, you know, and there would be somebody awake the whole time. And even, like you said, even if they were asleep, the stone weighed several tons. It would take several people. You can't do this quietly. There's just no way. No way to do that. Yeah. So. Um, you know, you know, again, the, the historical reliability uh, of, you know, the, 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 the tomb uh, being empty is, you know, why don't you stop and think about this for a second? Joseph of Arimathea, uh, he was a Jewish Sanhedrin. 
Uh, he was part of the the, the Jewish uh, leadership of the time, um, and and he uh, gave uh, the tomb to to the dead body of Jesus, and and to 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 be able to think about that, uh, people on this ruling class were simply too well known uh, during that time for fictitious stories about them to be pulled off in this way. Uh, this would have this would have exposed Christians as frauds very very quickly. Uh, so the fact that they couldn't have circulated a story about him burying Jesus uh, unless it was true, uh, you know, it's just it's just things like this that you really have to stop and think about. And I would add, and I do think this is an important um, piece of information. Uh, and 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 I think Chris, you already did allude to, to this. If if the those disciples somehow, some way, did steal the body, let's just say they did. Now now, the next question becomes is okay. They knew he was dead. They 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 knew that this whole thing was a hoax. Yet, they all went to horrific deaths themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and that just isn't logical. One or two of them maybe being completely deranged. I don't know. <laughs> but to say all 11 of them, then Paul himself being beheaded, I just, I just can't. It just doesn't make, you know, in a court of law, two witnesses proves a fact. You know, First uh, Corinthians 15, Paul writes that there was over 500 witnesses to the fact of the resurrection. I mean, at what point do we got to stop and go, hey, listen, that tomb was empty and, and, and all those disciples are not going to go to their deaths the way they did for a lie. Um, you know, and, and I do think that that's important. You know, the other thing I think is interesting is, you know, people go, well, well, just because the Bible says it doesn't make it true. You know, here's an interesting thought. Here is God. Okay writing a book to try to prove to us that Jesus resurrected. And you want to know what he used as witnesses, the first people he used as witnesses to his resurrection? Women. And you go, well, what, what makes that? Well, well, because you have to remember that back during that time, credibility from women was, was not the, at the top of the list. Uh, to me, I, I just really feel like that's another uh, uh, evidence to the reality of the resurrection because if, 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 if we're trying to believe, make people believe in something that isn't true, they would have used men, leaders, whatever. But to go to two women uh, that are, were, were, you know, one of them was Mary Magdalene. She, she was a former prostitute as a witness. <laughs> uh, you know that that doesn't seem to 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 make a whole lot of sense if you really ask me. Uh, Robert, you got anything you want to throw in here? Uh, no, I don't think so. You're hitting the nail on the head. If I didn't already believe it, man, you'd have me convinced. Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, good. Chris. Well, yeah. Uh, back to the the guards 
the whole because th- he did show himself to Mary uh, Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary first. They were the first two uh, to s- to see. They came to anoint his body a- after his death, and uh, they found an empty tomb instead. Uh, but those Roman soldiers, you know, when you read Matthew twenty-eight, <coughs> it says in uh, verse one through four, in the end of the Sabbath, it, as it began to uh, dawn, to, uh, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, uh, and sat upon it. And his countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. So when that event happened, as they were coming to the tomb, those Roman guards and those who were keeping the tomb, they they fell like they passed out. They fell like they were dead, you know. And uh, and then then of course Mary uh, Magdalene and the other Mary had had seen the risen Jesus and. Um, you know, you were talking about, okay, let's say the disciples maybe did manage to pull off stealing his body. The reason that doesn't work is is what you alluded to is because he he was eyewitnesses, saw him after his resurrection. There was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, and then all the other disciples. That I think uh, John and Peter were the next two to come to the tomb after that um, to see G- Jesus. And so he and then he started showing himself to all of his disciples, and then he started showing himself to a lot of people. He showed himself to those two uh, uh, guys on the road to Emmaus. I think of what they said, did our hearts not burn within us when he, you know, uh, spoke to us out of the scriptures and all the things that, uh, that out of the scriptures. And so his his uh, appearance to those people after his resurrection uh, and then up, uh, upwards of uh, 500 people at a time just proves that there was no way that somebody had stolen his body. He was alive and people were starting to see him. He shows himself to Mary. He shows himself to his disciples. He, he then shows that Thomas sees him and, and on and on it goes. And so the evidence is surmounting. It'd be one thing if there was just a couple of people who claimed to see him, but we're talking hundreds at this after what, you know his resurrection saw him. So the 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 point of the 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 appearance and the eyewitnesses just is it, it puts the nail in the coffin, as it were, <laughs> pun intended. So that he actually rose from the dead. And and Frank, you you quoted uh, or you mentioned Josephus earlier, um, just for an extra biblical source. And I'd like to actually read something that he. Josephus, that uh, Jewish historian, had actually written in his Antiquities of the Jews. He says this, he says, Now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men amongst us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at the first, did not forsake him, and here you go, for he appeared to them alive again the third day, as the divine prophets had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him, and the tribe of Christians, so named for him, are not extinct at this day. And so even Josephus uh, uh, quoted many things about uh, who Jesus was, that he was a wonderful teacher of, of wonderful works, and he was the cr- called the Christ, and that he actually showed himself to uh, so many people after his resurrection. There can't be any doubt to that once you have all of these eyewitness accounts. Yeah, and I think that also lends the um, incredibility, the lack of evidence of the so-called hallucination theory, where um, maybe these disciples just truly believed that that they saw Christ or that He resurrected, or you know, when you wish want something so bad. Um, that you kind of 
um, imagine yourself for it to be true or believe it enough to where it's true or, or will it, you know, whatever. And um, you just think of all of the people that saw him, um, are, are we to assume that they all hallucinated? Um, it, it, when the, there was a guarded tomb, uh, an unbroken seal that, that was on the tomb, that it wasn't rolled back until we read it um, there in uh, Matthew chapter 28, um, that stone hadn't even been moved until after the resurrection. I mean, uh, do, do, do we just want it so bad? Did they, did they want to die so bad for their faith that they were willing to uphold a lie or just ignorantly believe in the hallucination? No, uh, those would be the claims or the arguments of someone who truly doesn't want to believe um, and and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. It's almost the reverse is true, where we, I say we, uh, today as, as, as in the 21st century, a person who uh, cannot come to terms with Christ in submission so badly doesn't want to believe that they will um willingly buy almost like what your testimony is pastor frank willingly buy into or just accept ignorantly many times any kind of excuse that just appeases their conscience and makes them feel better and you can just easily chalk it up to um something that it isn't so that really doesn't bode well for the unbeliever yeah okay so you know i think another one that i think is worthy of note is you know how about the Apostle Paul himself? How about his life? You know, here's a guy who was a devout Pharisee uh, who had devoted his life uh, at that point into killing uh, Christians and into uh, putting them in jail and, and ending this movement. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, he, he, he becomes, quite honestly, potentially the greatest Christian that ever lived. Uh complete life transformation so how does that happen um i guess that's up for debate i guess people can uh, debate what what took place um I, I think the obvious answer is he witnessed the resurrected jesus and you witness that and and that's going to be the event that would change someone's life uh and again these are these these are all some evidences to uh, something something significant took place uh, on that uh, resurrection Sunday, uh, and and whatever, but however you want to look at it, uh, do know that it is the most important event in all of history. Uh, really, uh, it is what, uh, uh, from a human standpoint, uh, it certainly is because uh, without the resurrection, uh, there is no saving grace. There, you know, without the resurrection, all you've got is a, a dead, dead Jewish guy on a cross. Uh, with the resurrection, you have the uh, pathway uh, to eternal life. And uh, so, don't, don't, don't. Uh, if you're sitting there uh, contemplating uh, this whole event, if uh, you haven't really given it much thought. Uh, you know, I remember prior to my salvation, uh, it just wasn't really important. Uh, I, I would, I would, uh, I would uh, tell you and ask you, you know, really, really stop, stop listening to what everybody else has to say. Uh, maybe even stop listening to what we had to say. Get yourself some, 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 uh, some books. Get yourself on on the internet if you have to. Whatever, 
Start looking at the actual evidences. Don't believe what everybody has to say. Uh, go back. Look at the secular evidence. Look at the Christian evidence. Look at look at evidences from all different avenues, and um, you know, get yourself to a place where you're dealing with actual facts uh, instead of dealing with other people have to say. Uh, you know, no doubt, history confirms there was a Jewish Jewish guy by the name of Jesus who died on a Jewish uh, a Roman cross. There's no doubt that the that the tomb was empty. Uh, there's no doubt that there was a life-changing transformation in a whole lot of people that surrounded uh, Jesus. Uh, and there's no doubt uh, that many things that were foreign to the Jewish uh, religion took a drastic, drastic change uh, somewhere around 32 AD uh, in, in the event that we call uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, something happened. And I think whatever it was that happened is worthy of taking our time to find out because if, if that something was, that, that, that this dead Jewish Messiah rose from the dead, if that's what took place, it is the most significant uh, uh, historical event that's ever taken place. And there is something uh, that has to be done with that uh, because that would uh, indicate that he is who he claimed to be, God in the flesh. All right, Robert, you got anything else you want to close with? Praise the Lord for the resurrection. Yeah, amen. Amen. Chris? I'm good. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you once again for uh, uh, being a part of our, our podcast and listening in. Again, if you have any questions, uh, any uh, statements you want to make or anything you want to talk about, uh, please feel free to email us. Uh, and, you know, uh, we are really going to press you to make sure that you, you tune in next week. Um, you know, uh, this, uh, podcast, uh, obviously is being done by the leadership here at, uh, One Baptist Church in, uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, and, you know, we really want to, uh, explain to you and take the opportunity to, to, uh, really, uh, help you understand, uh, what One Baptist Church is all about. Uh, and so next week, uh, we're, what we're going to do is we're just going to take the podcast and, we're just going to give you some testimonies. I'm going to give you uh, my personal story uh, to what led to the planning uh, of One Baptist Church here in Jacksonville, how, you know, how this all took place. And, and then we want to talk about uh, really why, especially if you're here in Jacksonville, uh, we, would, we would encourage you, uh, come, come check us out. Uh, come, come see what we're doing and, and see if it's not something uh, you think you want to be a part of. Uh, and uh, we, we certainly would love to have you. And, uh, you know, we do think we're a little bit different. Uh, but I think that a little bit different uh, is something you need to know why. And so we're going to take time next week and we're going to talk about that. Uh, again, uh, be safe uh, with everything that's going on uh, with this virus. Uh, make sure you wash your hands. <laughs> make sure you, uh, you, you self-isolate as much as you can. Uh, just be safe. Uh, we obviously uh, are living in a, a, an interesting time. Uh, and it is important that we uh, take the, the measures that we need to, uh, to, to, to to keep ourselves and our families safe. All right, guys. Well, we do love you. We do thank you. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to The Revealing, a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio. Associate Pastor Robert Ingle. 
For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world, or email us, info at onebaptistjacks.world.